Hello, welcome to the 40 Athletes Podcast. But before we get started, be sure to sign up for our free course that will teach your child how to develop courage. It's in the YouTube description below on our YouTube channel. So make sure you go check out our YouTube channel, click on the link, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And that will give you access to our free course on courage. It's exciting because every kid and every person needs to develop courage in certain ways to overcome their main fears in life. Again, it's free. It's three lessons. Excited to give that to you all in this episode of the 40 Athletes Podcast. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome welcome to episode 104 of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm Jason Holzer. I'm flying solo this week. Jimmy's on spring break, but we're excited to have a great guest with you today. Actually, we're going across the pond for this guest, and her name is Gemma Herbertson. She's the founder of NeuroFrontiers. She works with children with special needs and neurodiverse kids, and she has a very unique story as a mother that got her into this work in the first place. So I'm excited to bring her on today. Learn a little bit more about what NeuroFrontiers is. Learn a little more about neuroplasticity, what that means. And I'm excited for you all to hear her story on what brought her to this in the first place. So I'm go ahead and bring her on. And good morning, Gemma. How are you doing? Actually, good afternoon for you. So um, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm quite excited and um, yeah, looking forward to this. Thank you. Yeah, we met about, has it been 18 months ago, maybe two years ago? It's been a little while now. Uh, and yeah. I was kind of like in the middle of us navigating the pandemic situation. But, um, you know, you told me a very interesting, unique story on on your son, you know, how you got to NeuroFrontiers, what that means to you. And I just like you to share, you know, why did you even start NeuroFrontiers? And tell us a little bit about, you know, the story you've had as your son grew up. Oh, thank you, Jason. Yeah, um, well, I'm in the UK and um, yes, I've got two children and one is my son. Um, he had or, and still has a, a brain tumour. Um, and when he was four, he had um, he had the brain tumour removed um, and um, a big about a quarter of his brain taken out as well. Um, prior to prior to that, from zero to four, he was having about 500 seizures a week. So that's how come we knew something was amiss. And eventually they found that it was a brain tumor. So um, that's, you know, um, quite a traumatic, a traumatic uh, start and um, to his life and uh, quite an interruption and disruption to my life. But um, the Neuro Frontiers came about and that's my um, sort of business now um, because um, I uh, wanted to look for answers to help him to get better. So he was um, four, but his mental age was um, like a baby, just a few months old. So um, there, there was a big gap and he needed to catch up. And unfortunately, um, the general uh, view over here is, um, oh, oh, you've had a brain operation. Oh, well, here we go. This is what you go away with. <laughs> so so I thought, oh, gosh, you know, and, you know, we used that approach for a little bit and didn't see the huge improvements that I wanted so I thought you know there's this wonderful thing called the internet I must have a look and see um you know on there you know what can I find out and you know there are some amazing bits of work going on all around the world and you know what a blessing to have the internet to be able to discover these and then some of them allow you to train in them 
And so really that's what happened. I began a process of training to help my son. And I'd to give you a, um, a picture of him, you know, he was four, he spent a lot of time in a wheelchair, he was doubly incontinent, had no speech, um, his left eye turned out. And, and sadly, although he wasn't having 500 seizures a week, he was down to six a month. So he was still having seizures. So mm. but things weren't perfect. And I, I really wanted him to have quality of life. And as any ch um, parent of special needs children knows, once your child is sorted out, the ripple effect is that your whole family can have a better quality of life, you know, his sister and, you know, and, and myself and his dad. So, um, learning about these therapies was amazing so these are um, umbrellaed as neuroplasticity therapies and so these are things which have the ability to um, help um, enhance brain function and performance so they're going to help your brain get to its optimal um, state potentially so um, and everyone's got their optimum so my son has got a different optimum than most children but i know that but i believed and, you know, from his MRI scans, they said, oh, he, look at his neurons. Oh, you know, his, the rest of his brain is beautiful. So I was like, oh, so this gives you hope that, you know, some good brain to work with. So um, uh, we used um, lots of different um, therapies and um, saw results quite quickly. When you understand sort of mechanisms of how the brain works, you can be able to make a targeted approach. So that, ah, oh, right, that's the area that's not working very well because you've assessed it in some way, you've done an assessment, and then you can use targeted therapies to um, stimulate that area. Sometimes you want to inhibit it if it's overly charged. So you're, if you're stimulating an area, then you're doing the exercises that you know are going to um, be working on that area. And then that often is, these are often areas which are sort of foundational. So they give the foundations which everything else can then rest upon. And then you find that um, you know, the, the child um, progresses so the the happy ending or and we're still on our journey but a a, a soon happy ending in my in my son's case was that um his seizures went away his eye turned back in again straight he um he's out of his wheelchair he can run climb um dance everything um and um and his speech his speech came you know as well so it made me realize goodness me there's there's so many answers out there and you know my sort of strap line is where there are answers there are there is hope and i so i it was uh, you know incredible to witness this in my own son and then i thought well, i would love to pass this on to other people and so i you know i didn't want to let all my training you know i'd been all over the world learning all these things and i didn't want it to go to waste so i, I began working with clients and then last year i did a summit trying to pass on all the knowledge you know that i'd accumulated because it's it's only fair to share it with other people who also need it so um that's uh, sort of some of where neuro frontiers came about um if i could also mention that during our journey um in case there's anyone listening who's um, ever experienced a seizure or seen a, a seizure in their loved one or perhaps someone they work with or at school with whatever um i developed a method to stop seizures and we are um, currently fundraising for the clinical trials of this i've got nearly a thousand users now of this and, and i actually just had a message from a, um, a mum who just used this i think she was in some sort of subway in america somewhere and saying oh i've, I've just used this and stopped a seizure in in her own son 
Um, so, so, and it's so lovely. I get these on an almost weekly basis of people saying, "I just discovered your method. It's called the exchange breathing method." Um, if you, um, yeah, you, there's instructions online for how it works. It's very simple. Anyone can do it. You know, um, my daughter would do it for my son. So, um, yeah, I'd love if we can. Uh, get more people to use that and spread the word and and then get the clinical trials underway that would be a great thing as well so yeah that's about me <laughs> thank you well, that's uh, you know a lot to a lot to unpack there you know you so so how old is you first of all how old is your son currently right now he's he's just he's become a teenager he's 13. okay so almost the span of a decade he went from not being able to speak not being able to walk he had one of his eyes was off, like almost like a lazy eyes from what I understand. Mm -hmm. But now you're saying that he is, his speech is developing. He's able to run, climb. He is, you know, his eyes straightened out. Like these are phenomenal things. And it sounds like to me that what you discovered from a big obstacle, you turned into a major opportunity here to learn, get curious, where a lot of people would either have a doom and gloom aspect or they would like give up. You chose the opposite and you believe that something better was possible, that, that you believe that your son would eventually walk, speak, talk again, even though he had three quarters of his brain left after the procedure. And what I want you to talk about is like whenever those times were like your lowest of lows and you were like, what did what did you tell yourself? How did you encourage yourself? Because a lot of people are going through struggles, different challenges as well. You know, how did you believe again and, and stay with that, that you knew eventually things were going to get better if I stuck with it and if I got curious? Gosh, that's a nice and um, big question, really. Um, Just one thing. So to give people even more hope that you mentioned it's a decade with my son, it was much quicker than that. You know, things his his eye turned in within six weeks you know, he wow. was talking and talk. Speech came within, you know, a month or two. So, you know, these are these are rapid things that can happen when, yeah. when you understand the brain and the mechanisms you can you can exploit them and take advantage of these things knowledge is is power really um when it comes to the brain um but then you've asked about times when it was really hard um yes it has been really really hard um yeah um gosh you know i'm just that there's uh, i was incredibly sleep deprived during those first four years um, and they sure. were the, some of the toughest years of my entire life because, um, yeah, sleep deprivation is horrendous. I was only having about two to three hours of broken sleep a day for four years. I couldn't really, I didn't know day from night. I couldn't make, you know, decisions and so on. But it, you just keep going because you you have hope and, you know, you, there's something inside you which um, tells you to keep going. As a parent, this is, you know, an, an amazing uh, skill that comes from inside you. And then I think after his um, operation, when the seizures were less and I was getting some, you know, more uh, sleep. Um, yeah, then I don't know where the, the, the sort of the feeling of um, silver linings is a, is a sort of a theme, I think, through my life. I think in a way it's a blessing to have had tough times and challenges and things um, in other periods of my life. And I think... Um, you know that that sets a so here's everyone's normal bar this is oh this is the norm this is the norm and, and above this is happy and and below that's not great but when you've gone down a level and you've experienced something i've gone off the screen now but down you know down 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 then then that's almost like well i know i can then that's your your lowest point and you know you can survive above that 
it's, you're okay, you can still survive. And, and where other people might be not so happy, oh, well, this is okay, because I'm going upwards. I'm in the, I'm not as low as I have been sort of zone. So um, some of that, I think, helps talking with other people, knowing you're not alone. I think that's a really um, incredible thing. And I do have a couple of Facebook groups um, which um, you know are really incredible and bond people together and I think that connection is um, so important and you know hearing from other parents um, or you know, people who are dealing with similar situations and you know that and then um, ironically it sounds maybe but a sense of humor you need you know a sense of humor so many so many things happen and you just think this is just bonkers um, yeah but you just have to you know I can remember someone calling me and saying, is that your, is that your son outside? He, he seems to be naked in a tree. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we were doing this, you know, in the early days. You know, so it's, um, yeah, bless him. You know, he, he, and the, you know, there are many other, you know, other funny stories. You know, he, he, um, he learned how to, his fine motor skills weren't very good. And he, and um and I'd gone uh, out of the room. He left. I left him in the kitchen. And when I, I and I was talking to his sister, I came back in again. And I guess he was about six or seven at this time. And um, and then I came back in and said, "What's this?" And there was like a pile of banana skins. And he was so pleased with himself. Was, oh wow. yeah. He said, I, "I've opened all the bananas. I've opened them all." I was like, "Wow, that's like six bananas." <laughs> and uh, and I said, "Where are they?" In my tummy. I opened them. He also ate them. You know, I think yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> that I think that instilled in him, right? That you know, if I keep at it, I can do it, right? I can do it if I keep trying, keep trying. I think so many times, yes. you know, we have a tendency to give up before we realize what's possible, or mm -hmm. we don't give it enough effort to really see what's what's on the other side of that. And I think that's a key lesson for not only your son but other kids is that. You know, life is going to happen to you in some way or some, some facet, but we are meant to grow and our brain is actually meant to grow just like a muscle. And what you have been able to do with your son is show the world that, hey, you know what, your brain can heal, your brain can grow, your brain can change. And that's what I want to talk about, this concept of neuroplasticity. You know, I've heard it, you know, it's been talked about a little bit more recently that the brain can evolve and change and grow based on habits based on intention you know tell me a little bit more about neuroplasticity you know what have you learned about it how have you experienced it with your son um and what are some things that maybe we can do to increase our own neuroplasticity yes um gosh there's absolutely tons um uh, <laughs> i could answer that question with so neuroplasticity so ideal in neuroplasticity therapies these are therapies that take advantage of the knowledge which is out there. And you know, if we think about neuroplasticity, this is something that happens in our brains and we experience it all the time. Literally anybody listening to this or you listening to me, me listening to you, we've, we've learned something. So there's been a change in our connection um, and so in our brains already. So some new, a new piece of information has gone in and we are, or you are now aware of that. And you know, if you gave me a new piece of information about yourself, um, I would be aware of that. I, I don't even need to see it. You might tell me that you're wearing, I don't know, pink shoes right now. And then it's like, oh, wow, Jason wears pink shoes. I never yeah. knew that. I've never seen his feet. You know, so I'm, I'm sure you're not. I don't. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but, but you know, so, you <laughs> the high heels. So, yes, absolutely. Yes. That's how I got taller, right? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so when we have a new piece of information, a new connection has come in our brain. And so that's um, a, a connection between neurons. So here's here's some neurons and a, and a connection is here, like happening between them. So we've, well, there's a little gap, but, you know, so we've, we, we literally grow, our brains are alive. They are not like a computer where the wiring is fixed, they're alive. Now, initially you might have to go around the houses a bit to be able to make, use the existing connections to come back to make those two neurons connect. So now I've got J, um, Jason, pink shoes, and now over, overnight I might grow either or sometimes within a few hours, the connection that goes directly between them. So our brains love efficiency. So we're going to, we want to have that strong connection or that immediate connection there. The other thing, and, and a nice analogy with how to um, make connections stronger. So if we learn something, we really want to embed it into our, our brains um, is to think of things like, um, like a thread, you know, like a thread of cotton that you would you know, oh, yeah. sew with. So you've got a, a thread. So this is like the thread between the two. And then as you as you use them, as you um, use that connection more and more and more, then that thread turns into a piece of string, which then eventually turns into a piece of rope, which turns into a really, really strong piece of rope. And then the connection is really strong between them. Now, that's an analogy because the actual thing is that there's chemistry. The, the signal gets stronger between the two. So but the, but that's a, a nice way to try and understand that, you know, it's 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 the connections that which we're working working on and that's the neuroplasticity so any learning will create neuroplasticity neuroplasticity therapies are when you can target that stimulation so you're targeting that learning i want you to learn this or sometimes we want to break a habit we need to unlearn something which is um, can be slightly more difficult but you can replace things so um that um in a nutshell we're all experiencing neuroplasticity all the time neuroplasticity therapies are when it's all targeted and you're exploiting that yeah, it's, it's really interesting, you know, that uh, the way that you can not only mention learning something, but also unlearning things as well, because you're right, there's some things that we have conditioned our brain or we have trained our brain that aren't mm -hmm. serving us, right? You know, you look at it uh, for myself, I'll just on an example is like putting my phone in a different room because, you know, like the uh, way that we've been with technology is that we've been trained to check our phones like, I think I saw an average of like 200 and sometimes a day. Well, the more you do it, right, it's going to be more like a rope as opposed to a like a piece mm -hmm. of cotton like you mentioned earlier. So, you know, the unlearning piece of something like, you know, I think like you mentioned, that's almost as key as learning something new, because does that mean we need to like create space to learn something new or like what does the un unlearning piece mean in that situation? mean different things but generally as a sort of general rule it's replacing it with something else so you've replaced mm -hmm. having your phone by your side with putting it in another room so now now you've got some space to fill and you fill it with doing other more constructive tasks rather than being on social media so it's it's a replacement um or a substitution really that you're you're um doing there to help with the un learning because we, we can't deliberately unlearn so if you know it's the classic if i tell you don't think of an elephant that you know <laughs> then, yeah, yeah that's the classic yeah so um yeah so it's it's about uh, focusing on something new so we've got this um concept of so we got use it or lose it these are some two concepts um within neuroplasticity so we if we use something then they, that connection continues and turns into a strong rope eventually if we keep using it um, regularly 
Um, or otherwise, if we if we don't use something, again, the brain loves to be efficient. So if it's if it's spending energy keeping a, um, a connection there, and it's you know spending energy maintaining the connection just through the sort of the, the tissue and the cells that are there, but it's not used. Eventually, it's going to become. We'll say that's redundant. So you you and, and it just it, it chops it up, or it, it and actually it's some chemicals which sort of burn it away, and then it's gone. Oh. Um, so that's if you did you take exams when you were about eighteen? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. If I got you to take those again, would you would you be able to pass them all? Ooh, man, I, you know it's funny because my my oldest is in kindergarten now, right? So like he's starting like, and they teach things differently than what I was taught too, right? So um, as he gets older too, like you know, learning like how to help him with math and like that kind of stuff, things that I did, you know, like you mentioned thirty years ago and haven't really done a lot. Um, yeah, I, I probably would be terrible at them because I haven't really like you know studied or kept up with them over the last. 20 years right so mm -hmm. i think one of the key things you mentioned there was that um you know when you unlearn something you want to also have an intention to intentionally replace it with something you want to learn instead so example like you mentioned me putting my phone in my room if i only do that then what i think you're saying is that eventually i'll go back to old habits because i haven't replaced it with something else intentionally get my mind focused if i say hey, i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna pick up a book instead of pick up my phone that's more of like potentially replacing something is that kind of what you're saying it doesn't have to be a book per se but you have to like fill this place with something else otherwise it'll go back to a previous program right yeah but i am um, i'm understanding from you that you are um naturally filling up that space it, probably by you your phone is there because you you are you're Jason Holzer and you just do things <laughs> so that's what you're renowned for so if your phone's not there you're going to just do something else because you're you're amazing like that so um so you know so you've got that natural thing that's other people you're right they might have to intentionally think okay every time I think about my phone and I, if it's that str I, I'll just read a book I'll do that so this becomes my new habit yes um, so I could see that working for some people yeah I was just curious like that was like a, a great way of like you know, if you want to unlearn something, like you said, you have to read by introducing something new. That way it's like out of sight, out of mind, like you mentioned, and replace it with something inside in mind. And you know, that's what I want to go into next is like, you know, this concept of neurodiversity too, right? It's like a more uh, unique way of saying like, you know, everybody's brain is diverse and different and changes, you know? And so, you know, have you learned much like in your experience with neurodiversity, you know, how do we help and educate kids that have different, you know, backgrounds, different ways of learning? They may be all in one room. Like what what is a, some great ways to help, you know, kids that with with neurodiversity in, in classrooms, at home, you name it. Can you have any suggestions for that? So are you meaning the acceptance of other people and, you know, being accepting or are you meaning um, would these therapies help them? Yeah, like like they're you know like different ways you know not only accepting how they learn but also catering to individual learning needs right as opposed to the one size fits all method where like hey we're gonna learn this way everybody's gonna learn this way like how do you diversify education to help meet the neurodiverse needs of kids? Gosh, um, yeah, another good question. I, I can I answer it in a slightly different way because you mentioned um, how would we sort of structure education? Yeah, sure. And, yeah. I'm not, and um, uh, it's 
there is neurodiversity out there and people's all people's brains are wired in different ways um and some people want to keep that wiring they're, they're absolutely happy as they are some people would like to um you know be able to have uh, uh, different qualities or um, abilities and so they might come to somebody like me and say i'm i feel like i'm lacking in this area is this something you can help me with so um, if for neurodevelopment to happen, our, the ways our brain develops and you go through childhood all the way through to um, 28, some people say 45, you know, so the development of the brain is really, you know, um, happening over a number of stages, all to do with hormones um, triggering things to, to happen in a sort of set pattern. In early childhood, this is where I would um, think that there should be a, a change in education and we... You know you're in the sports world sport and movement is absolutely fantastic for mm. teaching children about their bodies and um, how to move your body now if you consider that every part of your body is attached to every part of your brain so what we can do is um, use our bodies to assess how the brain is functioning and we know that when people aren't able to do certain tasks that that gives us a clue as to what part of the brain isn't functioning um, and we need these some key foundations in our brains to be able to um, sustain the rest of the maturation the rest of the way that the brain is going to grow and develop all the way through to you know um, late 20s so these and beyond um, so these are key things which need to be in place and they are they're, a lot of them are to do with movement balance coordination um, what's called physical literacy so you're able your ability to um, hold your own body and, and move your own body where you want it to be and you know and posture is incredibly important now um, in the early years and in very uh, young children now the, the sad thing is that um, we've got a society now which is all about keeping children still and in one space you know we'll strap them in a car seat we'll get the car seat out we'll put it maybe in the trolley do you call it a trolley when you go around the supermarket? Um, oh, yeah, stroller, yeah. I mean, I like trolley, but that sounds way more fun. Or, or a metal thing, you know, the metal thing. What do you call those? Yeah, and, a stroller. Like that no, has no, a wheel. No, or that wheel, a stroller. Oh, yeah. like a tram <laughs> trolley. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so we, we put, you know, put our children in that, or a stroller, as you say. We would say a pushchair here. Um, and then, you, you know, you might come back later and then you put them in a bumbo and then, you know, then you put them, strap them in something else so that they can eat. And the mm -hmm. child barely moved. So knowing where your body is and in learning how, where it can move and how it can move, these these actually are ways that we trigger development in our brain. So, we so for example, we need to know our left from our right. And, you know, there's um, your right hemisphere deals with your left side of your body and your right hemisphere deals with that. But you've got this nice tract of, of um, huge number of nerves in the middle, but nerves need to sort of grow through that tract mm -hmm. so that we then can get, you know, a, um, a sort of a balanced personality um, and balanced abilities um, in our later uh, as we move through life. And, you know, very early on, we need to be on our tummies doing um, what's called commando crawling. And th th this isn't quite right, but this is a, a, some of the basics of it. So you're really, in, in many ways, when you're commando crawling, um, you, do you know what I mean? You're on your tummy and legs arms. So you're, um, you move your right arm and your right legs, so you're moving this way, and then it's the, the left side's turn. So you're doing, oh, so in the hemisphere, you're saying, my turn, your turn. That's a very basic connection going through. 
you know, and then as we as the child progresses with their movement like that, and then onto all fours and crawling. And that requires something different because your left hand is going to go at the same time as your right knee. So that so all oh, right, so now I need to coordinate left and right. So then there's like a, a crisscross going on. Mm. Uh, up, like uh, moving in opposition, right? They always say like whenever you run, like your right hand's up and your left knee is out, right? Or up, you know, so yes. uh, that's kind of what you're getting to. Yes, but um, yes, and this is that's key. So this is where it all progresses to to be able to to walk um, as we should. But when things have gone awry or we've kept a child strapped into many things for life, then we haven't had that chance to develop some of these things. And, mm. you know, they've missed out. But we've got incredible brains. So we just thought, oh, well, I missed that bit out. I can find a way to get around that. And that's when we see, you know, um, posture sort of being out. Um, you know, you might see people walking on the street and you think, well, that's a funny walk. I wonder where that came from. And it probably came from their childhood in many cases. But the interesting thing is about keeping these tracts, these these connections across the hemisphere is that the more you can develop there. So these then sort of uh, are great for speech because we need to be and hearing all sorts of things. So we need to be um, well, not necessarily hearing, but the speech definitely. So we need to be um, communicating left to right. So your movement is is laying down those tracks of communication between the, the hemispheres and then speech can then take advantage of them. So if you haven't moved properly, your speech might be delayed. Oh. Yeah. So you're, so this, you know, and that's just some what something in the early years. Um, other things, you know, if you haven't learned to balance properly, you can then experience um, emotional imbalance. Now there's a there's a bit of between this. So in your later life, you might experience um, anxiety, or you know, um, when you've got more things to deal with in life. Oh, I've, I'm going to college or university. Oh my gosh, I need to be really independent now and make new friends, and I, you know, have to cook for myself and learn how to timetable and do, you know, oh, too many things, and now I can't cope. Why isn't? Why can't I cope at this age? And very often that's because some of these foundations, which everything is resting on, haven't been um, installed or calibrated uh, properly. So with the emotional balance and physical balance, so you're having a nice physical balance, um, you're, the, the thing is confidence. So if you're physically well balanced, and um, luckily we're, we're screens and miles apart. If you went to hit me, Jason, <laughs> um, you know, then I, I, if I'm physically well balanced, I can probably defend myself. So mm. there's, there's that, that sort of knowing, subconscious or, you know, knowing, that I, I'm pretty all right and I'm going to be all right as I navigate my way through the world because I can defend myself in some way. If I am uncoordinated and I subconsciously know that if you went to attack me and even if I tried to attack you back, I'd go for your nose and I'd probably hit thin air. So, oh my gosh, what, you know, I'm not going to be as confident because I don't have that body control to be able to defend myself in an emergency. So, or maybe I'm uncoordinated. I'll trip over something if I even try and run away. You know, mm -hmm. all of the things. So they, they these um, help to create some sort of underlying anxiety, which then presents as emotional um, uh, imbalance. So that's that's the connection. So physical yeah. imbalance and emotional imbalance, but also physical balance and you know uh, balance coordination equals emotional uh, resilience, confidence at the end of the day. And those are the people. So this is where you know something like sport and just learning to move and you know um, use our bodies in lots of different ways and can be such an asset to um, development going on. 
It's amazing, you know, how everything is connected, even from the beginning of when you're born and how much things matter at every age, because it's like building a house, right? You got to have that foundation before you're able to put the roof on. And so what I hear you saying is like, no matter what, like, you know, your physical, you know, movements and that kind of thing play a role in your emotional regulation and and your overall, you know, feeling of confidence, belief in yourself, you name it. Um, it, and it's amazing how they go hand in hand. I think also what people don't realize is like, you know, we can use our minds to imagine ourselves physically too, right? The way we want to be. And then the more we can use our minds to use our imagination, it also tends to help us, you know, get our emotion, or get our body moving because we see ourselves as active athletic people or people that are just able to, you know, um, use your mind to even just get started, right? Just get a little bit better every day, you know? So, I think it's amazing how they can go hand in hand and, and work back and forth. Yes. In fact, you, what you've talked about there is um, another sort of principle or uh, of or a way that we can use neuroplasticity in imagining things. So you can so you're priming your brain. And that's something really useful that people could use in, say, in a sporting environment. So, you know, you prime your brain. You, you have a bit of information before, you know, if you were in team sport, you might have a bit of information about the team. And that's a nice way to so you're you've got some or you've watched some videos of them or you might be watching videos of yourself swimming and thinking god i need i need to learn look at my left arm it's not right oh yeah mm -hmm. and so then that goes in and then when you go to do it for real you can be better at it um and then afterwards the the final step which um can be a real asset so you've got priming you've got doing the action and then afterwards is teaching so teaching someone else what you've just learned because when you your priming stuff's going in when you're when you're actioning it's being sort of being held there and you're doing it but so to so that the connection goes both ways the connection is you know you've inputted knowledge inputted knowledge and now you want the, the knowledge to, to be connect the other way to make that rope stronger that's another way you can use variation to um, again help to make those connections stronger so you teach someone else so you get uh, you know with kids or even adults can right you just learned that can you teach that person over there and it's a mm -hmm. uh, you know it's like oh wow i really have to think about this now so yeah, yeah it really like ingrains learning right because you when you teach it you actually are learning as you're teaching right mm -hmm. because you're able to see like check yourself how much do i know about a certain topic or skill set that i can teach somebody else which is really a a great concept to, to mention. And, you know, finally, I, wanted, I do want to talk about this. Like you mentioned earlier, your breathing technique to help with uh, seizures. Hmm. Is that something that you can just do? You can be taught on your own. Like, like you just, you said, you mentioned breath. Is it all, is it, is it as simple as learning how to breathe in a certain way or is it a little bit more complicated than that? Okay. The basics are, no, it's very simple. So if somebody was having a seizure or even sometimes if they feel that the seizure is coming along, um, so um, you deliver a breath of your out breath into their nose. Oh. That's it. That's, that's all it is. It, it's free. It's your out breath. So we, we breathe in um, a mixture of gases, but mainly oxygen is what we're breathing in. Mm -hmm. And when we breathe out, we've got CO2, carbon dioxide, and carbon dioxide into the nose appears to just stop a seizure. Um, so, um, yeah, so I just, it's called the exchange breathing method. And if, you know, if people are, want to try it, you know, and we, we're in the early years of using it really, but as I say, I've got about a thousand people using it now across the world. And, it, you know, it's, um, 
it would be amazing if we can get you know my my aim is i'd love to get ten thousand people by the end of the year mm -hmm. using it so if, and more people so know just, about it. just make sure i understand this right you literally just out breath from your mouth mm -hmm. into the person that's possibly having a seizure situation through their nose yeah. and that helps reduce that's I mean, that's fascinating i mean that's amazing how simple it is also make sure hopefully i like a mint gum in my mouth too so that way they don't like you know, if you got bad breath that might not be enjoyable for them either but <laughs> make, sure I have a, make sure i brush my teeth for the day before i go out so i'm learning so much about you jason <laughs> no yes that's really as simple as it is there's a video and uh, you know i would encourage people to check with their um their consultant their you know their doctor before using it just in case there's anything that people are worried about but again you know it's that's a help in raising awareness amongst professionals that there's this thing out there that could possibly help people so um that's that's no bad thing to ask um your um your doctor or whoever yeah well you know jim it's been great having you on the show today and then we have a, our final four questions that we go in through and just a last little bit of insight uh from our guests and the first one is this um as somebody that's had a variety of experiences, a lot of challenges, uh, and over overcome many of them, what does it mean to win in the game of life, in your opinion? Um, this is such an interesting question because uh, last in about ten days ago, I read a book actually by a lady called Florence uh, Scovel Shin. Yes, the game it. of oh. life and how to play it, right? Yes, yes. Have yeah. you heard of this? Oh wow! Oh brilliant! Yeah. So this was um, a bit life changing for me. Um, in general, I don't really like the word win. I think, you know, I'd like it's teamwork. We're all connected. So somehow, you know, and, and even, you know, neuroplasticity therapies, I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling, you know, loads of people, you know, who, who wrote books and, and all sorts of things found out all this stuff and I'm just a messenger. So it's, it's not always about winning. It's about working as a team somehow. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, you know, uh, in this book, The Game of Life, it um, says, uh i've written something down here gratitude is the law of increase so you you know if you're grateful you know and giving you know very if you can be giving then you know what you give out you will receive somehow and you know i think that that's that's important um so yeah that's that's sort of the game of life and your thoughts and um, i read another book recently by kevin somebody rather um and it's called uh or something about the universe sorry I, i'll put it send it to you later but it, it was really interesting i think he's canadian and he said you are your sentences this, there's a few sentences in your head which will dictate how you you know how you are in life and and again that was very similar so i think the the game of life boils down to a few sentences in your head and um once you're aware of what they are and if you like them brilliant if you think gosh you know that's not you know how i want to be and change them and see what happens. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I, I always saw like winning the game of life, meaning like you know, creating win-win scenarios where both people involved become better in some way, some form. So you know, it's a little bit different of like like who has more than who has less on the scoreboard, but more of like how do we all help ourselves become a higher level of mm -hmm. consciousness and human being. So uh, a little bit, you know, again, rephrasing what it really means to win. Um, and number two, if you could spend time with anyone, I normally say in sports, but I would say for anybody, who would you pick and why would you choose them? Oh, um, 
Well, actually, I, I really do like going to listen to talks of um, so people who've done adventurous things, mountaineering, you know, adventuring, uh, going up to the North Pole and things. And I've been um, lucky enough. I've gone to listen to people like to Ranulph Fiennes, mm. um, to Chris Bonington, and I've got one coming up. Uh, James Ketchell. He's he's the I've written this down. He's the only person on the planet to have climbed Everest, cycled around the world, and rode an ocean. And and I just find that wow. you know. Even though I might not, you know, do those things next week, um, yeah. I find these sort of people inspiring, and I think it's nice just to, you know, inspiring people and who've, you know, maybe overcome things or, you know, challenged themselves to the limit. I've, I think they are, you know, their lessons and the inspiration can just translate into some of my world or perhaps other people's worlds too. So, um, yeah, that's those some adventurers. That's who I'd maybe having my my chat with and um yeah yeah um number three what's the best advice you received from a mentor or a coach that you've either worked with or been around um the best person i've ever worked with um was a chap called barry hitchcock um yeah um he was my best boss ever um he just empowered people he if you had a good idea he would say well let's try it and you know go away and you know work on it and if you need a team tell me and then he would put you together with other people who might make this thing happen and, and extraordinary things did happen and that was um before this career i did work in sport and that was um you know his him just empowering people that was just so you know you, you just couldn't believe what got done and putting together people who would never wow, I, I'd never think of working you with you naturally, but he would say, oh, let's create a project and then we'll put you, you together and I think it'll work. And it did. He just had such a knack with people and, you know, he was, he was a great basketball player as well and and squash. So, yeah, he's, um, yeah, it's it's him. And that's yeah, his advice. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's believing in people and then like even, you know, you never know till you try kind of like, you know, moniker of like, you know what, yeah, great idea. And that's what you mentioned, like empowering people's ideas and thoughts and giving mm -hmm. it a shot, you know. So it's a, it's a great advice for, for any person and especially any leader. Last one is this. Um, what's one character trait or life skill you would want in someone you that was either working for you, that you were coaching or that you were around? You know, maybe you were like, you know, looking at resumes or interviewing people. What's one character or life skill trait that you would want them to have? Um, I'd want them to try, be willing to try, because I think that's, um, you know, if you just dip your toe in the water. So, um, yeah, this is at the weekend. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm not young, but um, uh, I was really blessed last autumn to be um, asked to go on a cycling team. I do hill climbing, cycling hill climbing. Um, I've been to the nationals a few times and then I got selected for a team last autumn and we just had a training day at the weekend and we had an ice bucket thing you know when you go into the ice bar, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was and there was eight of us there and it was that we all were willing to give it a try it the first you know our team um <laughs> the, the, our leader our team leader he he went in first and he screamed so that was like all oh, right this oh, is what yeah. it's gonna be like but no it was fine you know and then i actually did it twice because it felt so good oh, but yeah. i think you know it's, it's um confronting that fear and, and just willing to give it a try and i think with that sort of trying mentality you get other features which are like commitment i'm i'm committed to this and i 
um, optimistic, positive, um, and then un being uninhibited as well, being willing to have fun. Fun is, you know, um, uh, key as well. I think yeah. that's that's the way. You know, if all work could be fun, then wow, it'd be brilliant. Absolutely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I first of all, I didn't realize you were a pro cyclist, Gemma. So that's oh. exciting. <laughs> No, I didn't call myself a pro. We're sponsored, but um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I just do my best. I, I enjoy it. It's good fun. Hill climbing is just a really amazing sport with oh, just the crowds and everything that come and watch these events. That it's just bonkers. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a sport I'm I'm unfamiliar with. So I have to learn more about hill climbing. It sounds really interesting for sure. Um, so Gemma, you know, as we wrap up, first of all, thank you for joining me today. Um, and how can people learn more about uh, Neuro Frontiers? Where can they connect with you? you know, can you give our audience a little bit of insight of, of where they can connect and learn more about you? Yeah, so um, my website is neurofrontiers.org. Um, and that there's contact details on there. There's information on there. And then there's some resources on there. So you can connect to some of our community groups on uh, Facebook um, through that as well. So you, you find all our links, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, so that would be uh, a great way to connect. Um, I'm on LinkedIn if people want to connect um, professionally as well. So yeah, yeah it'd be great to hear from people. Well, Gemma, it was an honor to have you on the show today. You know, oh. Keep up the amazing work of what you're doing. You're changing lives uh, across the world. And I'm excited to, to know you, to know your story. Um, and you know, so much that you told us today was exciting and inspiring as well. So thanks for being on today. Oh, thank you. I'm really I'm grateful that you asked me. It's it's a real honor. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be in touch soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening over across the pond. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, everyone. Well, again, go back to that link download to download that three days of courage link. Um, and episode 104 was amazing. Gemma's story was incredible. Uh, her resilience, her ability to take obstacles and turn them into opportunities. And just her story with her son is something that, you know, I'll probably listen to this episode a couple of times just to, again, motivate myself, inspire myself to continue to be the best version possible and turn those obstacles into opportunities. Next week, we'll be back at it again. You know, thank you for joining us and we'll see you all again on the 40 Athletes Podcast.